0: Welcome to Future Focus, the UK at Expo podcast series, where throughout the world's greatest show at Expo 2020 Dubai, we'll be celebrating the best of the UK's creativity, innovation and culture with special guests offering exclusive insight into ways we can innovate for a shared future. In this episode, host Chloe Thomas talks to John Rainford, co-founder of the Innovation Lab SystemicInnovators.com. A veteran of the industry, John has been helping companies identify and innovate upon trends in technology for over 30 years. A mentor to presidents and vice presidents of corporations and their business teams, John promotes the importance of balancing innovation with future aspirations, both from a commercial and humanistic point of view.
1: Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Future Focus UK Expo podcast with me, Chloe Thomas, host of the multi-award winning e-commerce master plan podcast. Today, we're joined by John Rainford, co-founder of the internationally acclaimed innovation lab, SystemicInnovators.com. Welcome, John. Thank you. Great to have you here. Now, you've been helping companies innovate and identify the latest tech trends for over 30 years. Is there a particular project over that time that you're very proud of being part of?
2: There is, actually. um, A slightly obscure one, in a way, but uh, a guy called Nick Hayak developed the the Swatch company, which you may have heard of. I think it's about 7 billion Swiss francs now. Um, And he came to see me in my studio in the UK. And we had a chat about some of his ideas about introducing plastic watches into the fashion arena, which um, and the competition at the time was Japanese manufacturers. Um, And we had a a really good chat, and uh, we looked at some of his watches. We've actually photographed some of them. We could change the straps. There were so, so many interesting ways we could put these together. I suppose that's my claim to fame, really. But um, I was instrumental, all right, you know, in, in a small way, but, but kickstarting the company. And it just grew thereafter, after that. I think they've got about 30,000 employees now. So I could sort of tick that little box. So I was involved quite early on in a, you know, a multi-billion turnover company. Actually, I've done that a few times, to be fairly frank. With um, Shell, we helped to launch Shell Global Solutions, which is a completely new venture. Um, I think that's about 10 billion now. So I think the creativity part was quite an integral uh, way that we could help companies to grow.
1: I think often people think of kind of trend predictions and working out what trends are going to be worth following or not following is quite a dry data analytical process but there's a lot of creativity in it as well isn't there
2: well i think it relies on creativity because you know the big data that we get often is incorrect or based on unconscious prejudice and, and various things like that so you have to then rely on human creativity to if you like have the insights and that's what i've been doing for many years with scientists and um business people, is helping them to develop their own creative insights, which you know we're very proud of. And the SystemicInnovators.com is a sort of uh, an accolade to that process that we've developed together, myself and a lady called Mary who's based on in Canada. So we're, we're progressing quite well. And I think with the new Sustainable Development Goals by the United Nations, a lot of these creative insights are much more relevant these days. You know, we can't just rely on data because that doesn't necessarily give us the, the most accurate picture. Um, we do have to rely on creativity and how that can open doors for us to, to see into the future, really. That's what creativity does.
1: So I suppose trends are both those things that we see happening around us or, or that people who really get trends like yourself see happening around us that we can capitalise on, but they're also sometimes things that are forced in our way, like sustainability is something we have to deal with and, and therefore has become a trend because we've kind of made it one. Would that be a fair way of thinking about it or, is, or are they more they evolve and we find them?
2: Well, we're, we're in a constant evolving drama in some respects we do rely on our human instincts to um overcome challenges and and that's why we will even more so today that we have to dip into our own sense of creativity and self-worth and really dig down deep into you know future prospects and how that can be sustainable and the fashion industry is no different than any other industry in that sense it has to be much more akin to the consumer and what they're looking for. You know, The consumer has much more power than they ever have before. But what we need to do is listen to you know, human behavior.
1: So let's talk fashion because it sounds like it's going to be a good place to start. There are so many trends in the fashion space at the moment, so many big news stories around what the consumers want. You've obviously got the different seasons that are coming through on the true fashion trend side of things. You've got the sustainability, which I've come across businesses tackling from maybe 10 or 15 totally different ways. So how does a fashion business that's wanting to grow over the coming years whilst also doing some level of good, how do they work out which trends to focus on, which trends to take advantage of?
2: That's a really good question. Um, I think that the emphasis should always be that the more the consumer has control over the outputs that we manufacture, the more common sense actually prevails sometimes. You know, um, if, we, if we, for example, want our clothes to talk to us, you know, why shouldn't that happen? There's enough technology there for, for that to happen in, in itself. So, um, whatever we desire in some way actually helps us to understand where the future might prevail. So, a lot of this goes back to human behavior, understanding behavioral skills, and how that can manifest in our imagination. And really, what we need to do is, if you like, set fire to our imagination and imagine whatever we we, think is possible, and then make it possible. And I don't know if that answers your question, but I think the move away from manufacture on, on a mass scale and more about bespoke goods, you know, why can't they be manufactured bespoke goods for individuals? You know, the, the world is becoming more polarized in some respects, but it's actually highlighting the need for achieving what, you know, groups of people want, want to see. So I think there's, there's much more empowerment and, and will be in the future than there ever has been before.
1: You said, does this answer my question? I think it does answer my question. I think it takes us in some some interesting angles as well. You mentioned earlier that you now spend a lot of time trying to help teams be more innovative and spot their own trends. And it strikes me from your answer that my question was a bit naive in terms of how do we work out which trends we jump on. Actually, the first thing we need to do as a retailer, as any business, quite frankly, is to create a culture internally that's absorbing all these things we need to absorb and thinking creatively so as we can identify the trends as they come.
2: I think if we can build up teams in a creative way, they're much more likely to spot opportunities. It's like this entrepreneurial spirit that we all have, you know, fundamentally within us. If we can highlight our own creativity in some way, ignite it, then those trends are much more easily spotted. And it just goes back to being an entrepreneur within an organization. You can build the, the people up, like systemic innovators, which we mentioned at the beginning, and get them to understand the the value and also the, the creative outputs, the trends in the marketplace. Um, and if you can spot those trends, then you're able to um, manifest a future that you would desire.
1: The devil's advocate in my head is going, but surely not everyone in a business can we expect them to look at trends? I mean, you know, the accounts team, should we be bothering to help the accounts team become more entrepreneurial and identify trends? Or is it something that sits with marketing? You know, if someone listening is thinking of starting to do this within their business, is this an everyone process? Or is this you identify key people to make more entrepreneurial?
2: Again, a good question. I think right across the board, I think everybody is creative. We sometimes gets squashed in school, unfortunately, but we can ignite creativity within accountants or whoever it might be. Um, all we're doing really in a sense is empowering a quality they already possess. It's like we said at the beginning, you know, about um, you know, how creative can we be? Well, do you imagine that we're all innately creative then all we're doing is allowing that to come to the surface. And this is what we do with tacit knowledge. We call it tacit knowledge, which is looking at insights um, below the subconscious so that we actually can access the crazy part of ourselves and look for for insights, which actually we all, all have. We already have, which is a question of bringing those insights, that tacit knowledge, the experience, and giving that some voice,
1: So it's kind of about giving people permission to think creatively and to to put ideas forward.
2: It is about that. And I think it's about confidence building as well. I think confidence and creativity go hand in hand. The more you're able to express yourself, the more creative you become and the more confident you become. And This is lacking in organisations to some extent, Um, and especially in the education system, which tends to curtail one's creativity. It doesn't apply to everybody. I think that we can all break out of those constraints. But in industries, it's much more important, and especially in in careers, uh, you need to give people the best possible chance to self-actualize their own futures. And that's by enabling them to be more creative, more expressive in the way that they think.
1: So... I'm assuming, therefore, that creating this within our business is somewhat more of a, a coaching and a training and a, and a different way of working rather than, as I'm sure many of us have come across, the marketing agency who've put a ballpark as one of their meeting rooms. It's not, it's not that kind of, here's some Lego cubes for your table. It's a lot deeper than that, that we need to go into the organization to make, these, make ourselves capable of finding these trends.
2: It's a way of thinking, a way of working that is, you know, future prospects. We know that the old ways of doing things no longer work. We need to look for new ways of knowing. This is what Einstein alluded to, that we ought to be thinking almost the, the impossible and then manifesting it to come true. And I think we have a new new way of new paradigms of education, a new paradigms in the way that we solve problems and that's why it's much more critical these days that we have new horizons, um, new challenges but at the same time I think each and every one of us is capable of solving those problems if given the opportunity and the training and the creativity that they need in order to do that and to problem solve.
1: I've always been a fan of trying to learn from other industries and not getting too siloed. So, within the e-commerce space, learning from those who only sell on Amazon or learning from those who sell in different countries or who are a different size or in a different type of product, you know, so from fashion to electricals. Because I think you can learn a lot by seeing somebody who's doing something different. If we want to become more creative and and find more of these trends that we can use to grow our business, should we be actively getting, I suppose, outside our comfort zone, outside our own silo in order to find the innovations that are going to take our business and our own lives forward?
2: Yes, we do. And I think it's cross cultures, cross disciplines. We need to learn from each other. We need to have a whole new way of learning the companies that prosper and do well, like Amazon are learning fast and applying their knowledge to new situations, and they become market leaders. It's quite simple in some respects that they're really tuning into behavioral science and if like, tuning into what people's desires may be. The people that control the fantasies of the future will control the future. And I think we need to tap into the human psyche to understand what drives us, what motivates us, and how we might learn in better ways um, from our you know, other, other people.
1: It strikes me from kind of the undercurrent, I suppose, of, of what you've been telling us here, John. It's in our power to make our lives better. Through the work that we do. And I, I always think the retail industry in particular has such a huge potential impact on how we live our lives, you know, in terms of how things get delivered, in terms of the products that we wear, in terms of, of the food that we eat. That if we can get this level of innovation and adaptability into retail businesses, really at the core of how do we use our business to make consumers' lives better. Then the whole ecosystem, the business ecosystem, the retail ecosystem, and you know, from our customers to internally in our company, all becomes better and more successful.
2: I think if you know we dip into creativity and developing entrepreneurial skills, which could be called entrepreneurship in in organisations, then what we're doing is empowering people to understand how business works and understand how why. People do what they do, why they're motivated in a particular way. Neuroscience is the new science, and that's what we're, we're involved in. A lot of the insights that came from years ago are creative insights, but we can nurture that and we can help organizations to grow in that way. So it's very much about learning and learning about ourselves as a species that, that we need to you know, evolve and adapt to new situations. That's the future skill sets that, that we all need. You know, adaptability, um, thinking on our feet. All these are basic entrepreneurial skills, which everyone within the organization can, can do, um, either as individuals or groups or um, in societies as a whole.
1: In the e-commerce space, I guess in any business at the moment, if someone's listening and they're thinking, I want to become more creative, I want to become more entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial, are there any kind of key trends at the moment that you think we would be very sensible to start swatting up up on? Any kind of key areas that it's well worth us upping our knowledge on because they're going to become ever more important and a a way of of making ourselves more creative too?
2: Well, there's certain aspects to systems learning, for example, like network science, which is incredibly useful, uh, which is not taught at schools or even particularly at universities, but if you understand the the process of network science and understand that you can't just have a system and bring the system in and say, "Well, that's going to work, you have to develop the people within the organization as well, you have to develop them as leaders it's a guy called Ralph Nader. You said the purpose of leadership is to create more leaders, not more followers. And this comes back to this notion of, you know, well, can we be creative? Can accountants be, of they can be creative. Um, everyone's got that capability. We just need to nurture it and help to bring it bring it out.
1: And are there areas like artificial intelligence, machine learning, et cetera, that you're seeing people increasingly embracing at the moment?
2: Well, AI is, could be our saviour. It's as simple as that. It doesn't have to be negative in any in any sense, like the the internet's ne- either negative or positive. It's just what it is. And it can be utilised as a very powerful way of helping us to understand ourselves So I I embrace artificial intelligence. It's a a wonderful idea, but it's also exposed the very fact that we have these um, misconceptions about people and things. You know, the first thing we do when we go into an organization is to challenge the assumptions and the presumptions, which are all mostly can be false. And yet we, um, in the United Nations, for instance, we, we ask questions that maybe they're the wrong questions in the first place. You know, there's a lot of um, aspects of AI that bring attention to our own weaknesses and failings, but at the same time, it can help us to understand that we can do things in a better way, that we can be better citizens of the world, that we can better people. We can understand compassion and empathy. All of these things are crucial to organizational development and growth. So I'm very hopeful of the future. I think if we can bring systemic innovation into play, into whole of society, education and learning, then we have really good prospects and we can learn from AI and machine learning for sure because there's so many correlations that can help us to give us insights.
1: I think it's often the case with these technologies. When they're first mentioned, we get these use cases which are kind of exciting and sexy and shiny. And then a few years later, the the use cases that really make the differences in our lives are considerably more mundane to the outside viewer, but considerably more powerful. So often things like AI, they get launched with this, you know, robots and superhuman creativity. But then, you know, as as I see in the e-commerce space, one of the most fundamental places they're having, they're driving improvements is in the delivery process, which is not sexy or exciting, you know, it's vans and boxes. But there's a huge amount of improvements being made in that space but through the use of things like AI. So is that something you often see as, as new trends are coming in, is that the early adopter is exciting, but the real benefit comes from something that's truly based on solving a problem?
2: When you get um, early adopters of processes, that, that's the exciting part. And then, you know, like um, phones we all take for granted, which are very different animals so many years ago, but yes, I suppose you could describe the, the the phone as mundane. But actually, we're making it exciting week by week. You know, we're changing the way technology is used, the way we it can enhance our own senses. All of these things now are much more open, and I think valid ways of increasing our ability to cooperate. I think this is a, a fundamental um, issue as well with competition that we, we imagine. Competition is, is, is the way of business, but actually, collaboration, as Darwin has pointed out, is just as important and perhaps even more important for the growth of our species and, and growth of industry as a whole and society. If we manage to collaborate, you know, less emphasis on the competitive nature. I've worked with a lot of companies where we've actually held hands with competitors so-called competitors. And you'll find that competitors, if they work together, can you know, galvanize whole industries, typically like with the jewelry industry. You'll see that they all congregate to well, maybe one point. Michael Porter's famous five forces illustrated that the conglomeration of, of certain industries like Silicon Valley can enhance the prospects of that particular area. So there's a lot of ways that competitors can work together and help to um, guide and, and push new ideas, new frontiers, um, especially with, with AI, of course. So we can push AI to its limits and understand how we can serve humankind to benefit everybody, then we've got a, a better future to look forward to.
1: And clearly part of bringing that better future to look forward to is businesses adopting this systemic innovation philosophy we've been talking about. People love a case study. So are there any kind of key businesses in the UK that you feel have embraced this way of working, this entrepreneurship well, that we could all take a look at?
2: We can cite lots of examples globally of um, UK companies, technology companies becoming market leaders within 12 months by adopting these sort of processes. Um, Shell Global Solutions was a completely new company that came out of Shell, and its uh, impact in a positive way on on the UN's Sustainable Development Goals has been, you know, tremendous. So there is a much more awakening, I would call it, of how creativity, entrepreneurial thinking can affect business prospects. You know, Amazon's a really good example of that. They they learn so quickly and apply those methods. So, yeah, I think there's lots of examples. You know, we worked with um, a cheese manufacturer some time ago who were struggling at the time. Um, and now it's probably grown at least 36 times bigger by adopting simple processes such as systemic innovation, which is applying creative skills to systems thinking. And systems thinking, you know, it's the, it's the future. You know, NASA adopts systems thinking. So does Elon Musk. Um, it's all about systems thinking and then bringing it back to the consumer. You know, uh, if you look at Tesla, they now show off their cars in malls and places like that, which previously wasn't wasn't done. But, you know, all of these things challenge our assumptions about how we should buy, and when we should buy and so forth. I think that's the, the exciting part for the next 10, 20 years is how we we adapt and embrace new ideas and reject some of the old ways of doing things, which hopefully we're doing more of these days.
1: Well, I hope we've inspired some more people to embrace systemic innovation because clearly it can only be good for humanity. It's going to create some really exciting companies as well, based on those examples you just mentioned. So John, thank you so much for being here and uh, taking the time to be a part of this Future Focus UK Expo podcast series. I think we've all learned a lot from you, so thank you.
2: It's my pleasure.
1: Everyone out there, I hope we've inspired you to bring more innovation into your business with all these benefits that it's going to bring to you and your teams. Thank you all for listening and do tune in for the next Future Focus UK at Expo podcast episode.
0: Thanks for listening to Future Focus, the UK at Expo podcast series. Look out for more podcasts in the series or subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And if you want to stay up to date with all things UK Pavilion, links to our social media channels can be found in the episode description.